The title of my message today is Let It Rain. Let it rain. Let it rain. Um, and the reason why I'm talking about let it rain is because there was a cool moment that happened on let it rain. But as I was worshiping God this morning, and I was planning to preach a whole different sermon, but as I was worshiping God, I could just hear that song, let it rain, in my ear. I could hear it in my spirit. And I don't know what God was trying to say or communicate or trying to shift because today... I had planned for service to just go quick and brief. Let's hurry up. Let's get out. Let's be out by like 12.05. It's friends and family day. I want to have more time for community. But I believe God wanted to rain on some of you guys' life. I believe God wanted to pour out. I believe he wanted to refresh and restore and wash away. I believe God wanted to let it rain. So um, if you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 6. I'm going to read a little bit of this, and I'm going to jump straight into the word after I read this. And we're going to preach. Is that cool? If you guys didn't notice about me, I'm a hollerback preacher. That's real simple. That just means when I preach you, that's what I'm talking about. Let's get it. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Verse 11, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth was, for all the people of the earth was corrupt in their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both of them on, in the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make, make rooms in it, coat it with pitch inside. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be three cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make the boat 450 feet long and 75 inches wide and 45 feet high. Verse 16. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof and open one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make, and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under heavens and every creature that has breath on it. And then it talks about, um, in verse 14, it says, going back up, it says, So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, coat it with pitch inside and out. Everyone say inside and out okay let me break this down a little bit so God was getting ready to destroy the earth I'm not gonna get too theologically deep but one of the things that was happening in that day wasn't just that people were waking and people were sinning one of the things that was happening that day was in Genesis 3 God prophesied that Jesus would come and he would be born of a woman he would be born a human once Satan had that prophecy and he understood what would happen, he decided that he would have the, the human lineage destroyed. And he would do that because Genesis 6 says the sons of God procreated with the, with the daughters of men. And that simply meant that angels would interfere with the birthing of humans and they started to taint the human race. So God destroyed the human race to keep all of the humans that wasn't tampered with. I know that's kind of deep and weird. You just have to go study if you want to learn about that kind of thing. Like you got some Christians like, where do the UFOs mean? Then you got some people like, preach to me, please, because I got work tomorrow. So I don't know which one you are, but if you want to get deeper into that, go to Genesis 6, start reading on it. You'll see some crazy stuff that may explain a lot of stuff in this world. That's not my sermon today. My sermon is this. God sent water. God sent rain. And what's so significant about God sending rain is before this incident, before God was to destroy the water, 40 days and 40 the world, 40 days and 40 nights of water, it had never rained on the earth. 
It had never rained. It was only a mist or a dew. And this mist or dew would water the plants. It would water the ground. It would water the field. There was never rain. And then there was this Calvin of water sitting above the earth, which we would call the floodgates. And it was just sitting on top of the earth, sitting there hovering, and it had never rained. Now, God told Noah to build an ark. And he told Noah to build an ark because it would rain. Now, you know what rain is. So building an ark or building a boat is pretty cool for you. It's pretty normal for you. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty understandable because you understand rain. But Noah had never saw rain. He never saw it before, and God told him to build this ark. The problem with building this ark is it wouldn't take a month. It wouldn't take two months. It wouldn't take a year, two years, three years, ten years. Most scholars said it would take between 60 and 120 years to build this ark. Now, back then, they lived a lot longer than us. So it would take 60 to 120 years, and he was to build this ark. And it's cool you have to build an ark, but imagine having to build an ark, and you never saw rain. You never saw it. You never saw rain. And God is asking some of you guys to build a business, and you never saw the problem. God is calling some of you guys to build a women's ministry, and you never saw the need. God is calling some of you guys to build a business, and he's calling you to build something you may never saw the need. And my question for you is, can you build blind? Can you build blind? Because when God asks you to build it, he's not going to show you every step. He's not going to show you all the resources. He's not going to show you all the connections. He's not going to show you the full story. He's not going to show you the whole staircase. Many times God is going to ask you to build blind. And many people can't build blind because they're waiting to see something. But let me tell you, you don't wait to see nothing because the Bible didn't say faith came by seeing. The Bible said faith came by hearing. And God says as long as you hear something, you can build. You don't build because of what you see. You build because of what you hear. My question is, what do you hear God saying? Because if God is saying build, if God is saying plant, if God is saying release, you better build. You better plant and you better release because building is not determined by what you see. It's determined by what you hear. And anybody that's ever built something, they build it blind. Blind, blind, blind. They're better blind. So here you have Noah. He's building an ark blind. And as he's building this ark, people are laughing at him. People are mocking him. People are making fun of him because you're building and you're talking about something that's going to happen we never saw. I remember when it was time to build Radiant Church. God started telling me he's going to heal the racial divide. God started telling me black and white is going to worship together. God started telling me that in the South, there's going to be healing and restoration in our world. But we didn't currently see that happening in our city and in our world. But God said, would you build blind? Would you build blind? And if you're going to follow God, if you're going to be successful in Christianity, if you're going to get to the next dimension, you're going to have to learn how to build blind. But even in your building, you still have God's goodness. Even in your building, you still have God's goodness. Because God told Noah something so important. He said, when you build the ark, code it inside And outside with pitch. Pitch, 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 pitch. Pitch is the Hebrew word for atonement. So God was saying coat it inside and outside with atonement. In other words, God says coat it with atonement because water is coming. A storm is coming. And it's going to beat against that boat. But if you would coat it with pitch, if you would coat it with atonement, I will cover it in the storm. I will cover it in the flood. I will cover it in the rain. And I want you to know something that God, Jesus, has atoned for you. Jesus is your pitch. He's going to cover you in the rain. He's going to cover you in the storm. 
storm, he's going to cover you in the flood. He is your pitch. And if you would just build your life with Jesus inside of it and outside of it and around it, you would see that the presence of God will prevail. When you don't have enough resources, his presence will go forth. Can you build with pitch? And as you build your purpose and as you build your life, if you would build it with Christ as the bedrock, and if you would build it with Jesus in the center, you will see the goodness of God in the land. Come on, somebody. Give our king a shout of praise. Now, now, Noah, Noah was building. Noah was building. And Noah was walking around trying to convince everybody what's happening. He was trying to convince everybody, and what he was trying to convince everybody was something is coming. Something is about to happen. They thought Noah was crazy. Noah had the shortest sermon anyone would ever hear. His sermon was literally, it's going to rain. That's all Noah had to preach. That's all he had to say. I mean, he was on the revival corner. He said, I got a word from God. It was like, what is it, Noah? It's going to rain. Like, that's it. That was his word. That's all he had. It's going to rain. And my question is, where are you when it rains? Where are you when it rains? There's two places to be when it rains. There's two places. You can be in an ark or you can be in a Titanic. You can be in an ark or you can be in a Titanic. A Titanic is a boat built by man. An ark is a boat Built by God. The Titanic was built by professionals. The ark was built by amateurs. And when the water came, the Titanic sunk, but the ark sailed. The Titanic failed, but the ark prevailed. The Titanic fell apart, but the ark stood strong. And I want you to know something. You could build your life in this world or you could build your life in this kingdom. But when the rain and the pain and the storm and the flood comes, your life will stand if it's built on the presence of God. Your life will stand if it's built on the place of God. Your life will stand if it's built on the word of God. But if your life is built on the things of this world, if your life is built on things that's built by man's hands, your life will fall. Are you placed in an ark? Or are you placed in a Titanic? And a Titanic is your will. An ark is God's will. A Titanic is your way. An ark is God's way. Because you have to know something about rain. Rain is only good news when you're in the right place. If you are outside with your hair out, rain is bad news. If you are off work, with Netflix and some food and some snacks, rain is good news. When I'm chilling on the Saturday, I hear the rain, I'm like, let it rain. I'm trying to go somewhere, I'm like, you are the maker of the rain, please stop the rain. I got somewhere to go. And my question is, if you are placed in Christ, if you are in the ark, if you're in the right place, you would want the rain. Because what the rain does is the rain purifies, the rain washes, the rain restores. There is no growth without rain. Rain is literally symbolic of the blessing of God. It's symbolic. And rain wasn't designed to destroy. It was designed to build. I'm going to show you something in the Bible. I'm going to show you something. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, go to Deuteronomy verse 15. 
chapter 15, verse 10. Give you guys a second to get there. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. When you guys are there, just say, ready? Man, and worshiping with y'all today, y'all didn't took my whole voice. But it's cool. I'm going to preach from my stomach today because y'all stole my voice. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. It says, give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hands to. Let me say it again. The Lord your God will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hands to. Bless you. Bless you. So God is literally saying, put something in your hands. Put something in your hands. Put something in your hands. And if you would put something in your hands, if you would give to God with a generous heart, God will bless you. God will bless you. God will bless you. But the blessing of God followed you building. In other words, I want to tell you something, friends. God can't bless what you won't build. God can't bless what you won't build. God can't bless what you won't build. Many of you guys are waiting for God to bless, and God is saying, I can't bless what you won't build. God is saying, I can't heal what you won't put out there. God is saying, I can't enlighten and reveal to the world what you won't release. And many of us is waiting on a blessing from God, but we're not building nothing from God. And I want to tell you something. What is your destiny? What is your purpose? What is your calling? And what are you building? Because if you won't build, God can't bless. What are you going to build with your life? Are you going to live a mundane life? Are you going to go through the motions? Are you going to just come to church, go to work, come to church, go to work, come to church, go to work? Or are you going to say, God, my life has meaning. My life has purpose. God, I'm going to build something. God, I'm going to do something. You have to build. And the reason why you have to build is this. God says faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. You can have faith that can move mountains, but if you have no work, God won't bless it. Every miracle from God requires works. Every miracle from God requires sacrifice. You're going to have to do something in order for God to do something. Faith ain't lazy. Faith ain't lazy. Faith moves. And if you want God to do something in your life, you're going to have to move in his presence. You're going to have to move in his goodness. You're going to have to move by his word. And when you would move, and if you would build, God will bless. He would bless that dream. He would bless that calling. He would bless that ministry. Some of you guys feel like you're called to help and mentor people. Are you building it? Who have you invited to lunch? Who have you invited to dinner? Because if you won't build it, God can't bless it. Some of you guys feel you're called to start a business, but you don't have the money. You don't have the resources. You don't have the connections. You don't have the knowledge. Are you going to sit there and wait for God to bless you and open a door? Or are you going to go and start building? And if you would go and start building, God will start blessing. Because Noah's job was to build the ark, but it was God's job to send the rain. You can't make it rain, but you can build an ark. And typically what happens is you sit and wait on God to send the rain and you're caught unprepared with no ark. Build, build, 
Build. And don't just wait. Build now. Because it's better to be prepared and not have an opportunity than it is to have an opportunity and not be prepared. Many of you guys aren't prepared. When you see that broken woman, you're not prepared. When you see that broken man, you're not prepared. When you see that need, you're not prepared. When you see that problem, you're not prepared. Because you're not building because God's not blessing. But God's not blessing because you're not building. Oh, come on, somebody. If you believe that God is going to bless what you build, if you believe that God is going to send the rain, if you believe God's going to break the chain, Give God a 10-second praise break. 10, 9, 8, 7. God won't do what you can't do until you do what you can do. God won't do what you can't do until you do what you can do. And I'm going to give you the ingredients for a miracle. The ingredients for a miracle is you pray like it's all up to God, but you work like it's all up to you. You pray like it's all up to God, but you work like it's all up to you. You got to do both. The disciples, they prayed, they trust God. There was in the upper room, the spirit was poured out, and they left the upper room, and they came down, and they started praying for people, inviting people. They started baptizing people in the spirit. They started moving, and as they started moving, the spirit started supplying. God can't supply until you move. Because the thing about our God, he's going to give you exactly what you need in season. He's not even going to give you the word. Right now, I don't know what I'm going to say next. I have no idea what I'm preaching on, don't know where I'm going because this wasn't my planned sermon. But one thing I do know, God would give me the words just in time. God would give me the money just in time. God would give me the connections just in time. God would tell me where I'm going just in time. And the same thing with you, you would start that business and you might feel like, I don't know how to open this building. I don't have the money. God's going to send that money just in time. And what happens is, you're not going to succeed in the kingdom of God if you can't live on a prayer. You're not going to succeed. Everything is done by prayer. Do you know I've never had what I needed to do, anything God called me to do? Start a church. How? We don't have people. We don't have money. Lord, we really ain't got no money. I mean, God, like we broke. <laughs> like, like we broke. I don't know if you can heal this kind of broke. Like, I know you're Jehovah Jireh and all, but we got a different kind of broke, all right? Like, it's different over here, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you shuffling bills like $2 this way, $1 this way, $10 this way, $5 this way, extension over here. <laughs> Have you ever been broke? Anybody ever been broke in this room? Somebody like, praise God, I'm still broke. Send me some money. Hey, Amen. What that stimulus number, what that stimulus round for? Stop, they're running up the gas prices. Like, how are you going to give me a stimulus and then turn up the gas prices $3? Y'all ain't right. I done paid you back in two months. And some. Anyways, that ain't my sermon. Build, 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 build. And let me tell you, when you build, build with heart. Build with heart. You got to build with heart. Everything in my life that God has ever given me, it was because where I was, I built. Stop waiting. Some of you guys here, you're waiting. You're saying, I'm going to serve when the church gets it together. I'm going to start the business when I have the amount of money. I'm going I'm, I'm to get happy and get everything in order when I find a husband. Stop waiting and start building. Build now because later may not come. Build now. Every, 
everything I've ever walked through in my life and everything I've ever walked to was in the now I gave God my best. In the now. What, does, what has God entrusted you with? What has he entrusted you with? You got that job. And you don't like that job. So let me tell you what you do. You do just enough to not get fired. The bare minimum. You do just, let me just, I mean, like, if you would just step back one step, you fired. I mean, if you just sneeze, you got fired. Fired. And you're doing just enough to get by. But let me tell you, you're not robbing that job. You're robbing yourself. And let me tell you what you're robbing yourself of. You are robbing yourself of your ability. You are robbing yourself of your capacity. You are robbing yourself of your anointing. You're robbing yourself because what happens is you can't see the treasure in your job because you're blinded by it. See, God does everything in purpose, for purpose, with purpose. Do you know that job is a part of your purpose? Some of you guys work at the mall. I hate it. I hate my job. School system, I hate it. That's a part of your destiny and your purpose. And if you keep working that job like you hate it, you might end up keeping it. Because God doesn't send people to the next level that's robbing this level. Let me say it again. God don't send people to the next level that's robbing this level. He doesn't. If you want God to send you to the next level, you got to be faithful on this level. You got to pass the test on this level. You, you, you have to do everything that God has put on you to do in this level because you will always live in what you build. You will always live in what you build. There was this contractor and this contractor, he, he worked for this contracting company. He was the best contractor and he would build the best houses. And his manager said, sir, you always build the best houses. And as the guy was getting ready to retire, he was working his last project and his last job. And usually at the job, when people got ready to retire, their last month, they got a lot of money, money, they got a lot of pay, they got a lot of blessings, then the manager would do great things for them. This guy was his best worker, and in his last month, the manager didn't do anything for him. He didn't get the money, he didn't get the checks, he didn't get the blessings. And he was angry because he gave his life. He gave his best every single house Every single day, and he received nothing. And then his manager said, can you build this last house? And he said, sure. And he was angry. And he didn't check the foundation to make sure the foundation was right. He used cheap sheetrock. He used cheap materials. He threw the house together. He got done fast because he was angry that he had been faithful, and he was never rewarded. And he built weak. He didn't build with an urgency. He didn't work the job with the purpose. He didn't have that same intensity. And as he built the house, he said, I'm going to show him something. And he went to his boss, and he said, here's the house key. I'm done, and I'm out. And the boss said, don't give me the house key because you just built your house. And his eyes got big because he didn't know what he was building he would live in. He didn't know what he was building he would live in. He thought he would build and live somewhere else. But the truth of the matter was he had to live where he built. And that's how many of us do with our lives. We don't build our lives right. We don't give it our all. We don't trust God. We don't pray. We don't be faithful. And we build here and think we're going to live there. And God says you will live where you build. Because whatever you're building, you're building it as you. And you are the thing that you're trying to build. You are the thing that you're trying to restore. You are the thing you're trying to make better. 
What we have to realize as a church, radiant church and radiant leaders, God didn't call us to build a mega church. God called us to build mega people. And if we would build mega people, maybe they build a mega church. God didn't call us to build buildings. God didn't call us to put lights up. God didn't call us to do that. God called us to build people. Who are you building? Are you speaking life in the people? Are you speaking blessing in the people? Are you speaking healing in the people? Your job is to build people and your job is to build yourself. So my, my call, as I get ready to close, my keyboard player can come up. My call for you guys is this. How are you building your life? Are you building with it with a strong foundation? Or are you building your life with a weak foundation? Are you building your life with reverence? Are you building your life with strength? How are you building? How are you working what God has given you? Some of you guys are in the ministry and you're like, I just wish Pastor KJ would give me more. Dude, you suck at what you do. Like, you legit suck. Like, what you have is terrible, and you want more? How arrogant can you be? How arrogant? No, no, no. The little that God has given you, work that little like it's something big. You work it. You be faithful. You put your all into it. You, like, I don't know if you ever seen Proud Family, but Sugar Mama, she put a foot into it. Put your foot into your work. Put your heart into your work. Put your soul into your work. And if you will work with passion and heart and soul, then God will give you something. Because you got to understand something. Everybody that sees you and looks at you, they see the now. They don't see the next. They see the now. See, I know one day, because God has told me that God's going to grow our ministry beyond measure. Before I ever came into ministry, God said, I'm going to sing your voice around the world. And he's done it a few times. God says, I'm going to give you a global ministry. I'm going to expand your territory. But guess what? He ain't doing it in this moment because God wants me to honor and he wants me to appreciate the moment I'm in. I'm not worried about what God is going to do later. I'm not worried about what God is going to do next. I'm worried about what God is doing now. I'm worried about the people that God has sent now. Can I love the people I have? Can I pastor the people I have? Can I lead the people I have? Can I make the church that God has given me the best it can be? And just maybe if I'm found faithful with that, Maybe God has sent me to the next level. Be found faithful. Why, why do you have to have something big? Why did there have to be lights? Why can't you work in the dark like you work in the light? That's who God is blessing. See, the difference, about da- the difference between David and all the other children of Israel is they worked when they were saw. David was in the field where nobody can see him. Fighting lions, fighting bears, shepherding sheep. I mean, he stinked. He got up in his job. Some of you guys on your job, I don't want to get my hands dirty. Don't worry about it. Your hands will never get dirty. I mean, this is just a little opportunity. I'll just do a little bit. Keep playing. You're going to keep doing a little bit. No, you treat that little thing like it's the biggest thing you've ever seen. And let the zeal of God consume you. Let the presence of God consume you. Let the will of God consume you. And if you would serve God like that, if you would work like that, you would start seeing the faithfulness of your God.
Because something you don't know about your God fully is he is a miracle worker. And he can take you from obscurity to prominence in a second. And I may preach on this next week because I'm feeling it. But the thing I love about David, the reason why David was took to prominence is because the Bible says he was a man after God's heart. A man after God's heart. And as I studied that scripture and I studied the life of David, that scripture means a little bit different than what I first interpreted it as. I thought it meant he was a man like God, right? He's a man after God's heart. Well, David had some issues. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. I mean, David had some pretty messed up stuff. To be fair, was he really like God? I could find some people in the Bible that had a little less sin than David. So was he really a man after God's own heart? You can make the argument. I think when it says he's a man after God's heart, I think it meant he was chasing the heart of God. He was always chasing after God. If God's heart was over there, David was over there. If God's heart was over there, David was over there. If God's heart was in the people, David's heart was in the people. If God's heart was in the field, David was in the field. If God's heart was with the sheep, David was with the sheep. If God's heart wanted to defeat Goliath, David fought Goliath. He followed God's heart. Do you? Do you follow God's heart? I'm really not a church person. I'm kind of done with church. The church is his bride and he loves her. And if you don't, you ain't following his heart. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of the believers. I read my Bible. I don't need to be around them Christians and them church folks. That's where his heart is. The loss, reaching the loss. Well, I just come to church and I just do my Christian thing. His heart's with the lost. His heart's with the broken. His heart's with the disfranchised. His heart's with the marginalized. And if your heart's not there, you're not following God's heart. And if you would be faithful in the dark, and if you would build, if you would follow the heart of God in the presence of God, God would pour out the rain. He will let it rain. He will open the floodgates of heaven, and he will pour out a blessing on you that you don't have room to contain. And the reason why God would give you that blessing is not so you can be blessed, but so you can be a blesser. God didn't heal you so you can be healed. He heals you so you can be a healer. God doesn't redeem you so you can be redeemed. He redeems you so you can be a redeemer. God doesn't give you that destiny so you can have a purpose. He gives you that destiny so you can go around and destiny other people that surround you. God's heart is with the people. And if yours are not, you're not following the heart of God. I believe God's going to do amazing things in your life. But what you have to do as I get ready to close and pray, what you have to do is say, God, I would respect my placement. I'm going to respect it. If, if, if that's Noah, and you're sitting on dry ground and it's never rained, and God placed you to build an ark, and it may take 60 to 120 years, God, I'm going to respect my placement. Maybe God's called you to the parking lot. I'm going to respect my placement. Maybe God has you doing digital effects at church. I'm going to respect my placement. Maybe God has you leading small groups. I'm going to respect my placement. 
Maybe God put a word in your heart, I'm going to respect my placement. Maybe God called you to pray for people, I'm going to respect my placement. Maybe God called you to just help and set up tables and clean the building, I'm going to respect my placement. I'm going to respect it, God. I'm not going to take it lightly. I'm not going to halfway do it. I'm going to serve in seasons of obscurity. Because something you got to understand about purpose is, it don't start on platforms. It starts in pits. I learned how to preach stacking chairs at church. When I started ministry, God gave me a word I felt like I can preach. And I went to the preacher and said, sir, where do you need me? He said, I need the floor swept and mopped, and I need chairs out every week. I could sweep, but I got a mop too. I'm I'm not the, mop! 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 Why did God start my ministry? with a broom and a mop and laying out chairs. Because I had the competence, I didn't have the character. And what's happening is you guys have callings that's twice the size of your character. Somebody call you to get on stage, you're here. Somebody invites you to clean, you're not. Somebody call you to preach, you're here. Somebody invites you to pray, you're not. And there's something in you that sees small things as insignificant. But in the kingdom of God, the parking lot person is just as important as the preacher. Sweeping the floor is just as important as preaching on the stage. That's God's kingdom. That's God's purpose. I'm telling you, when you begin to serve people, when you begin to serve the purposes and plans of God, when you begin to do the small things, people may not see you or reward you, and guess what? They don't supposed to. God sees you. He knows what he puts in you. Just because you're cleaning the floor don't mean that God didn't put a word in your mouth. Just because you're cleaning the floor doesn't mean God didn't put a sound in your lungs. That doesn't make you lesser, it makes you greater. God puts the right stuff in you. That's why David could fight Goliath. Because while everybody else had on their armor looking pretty, they had never been in a fight. They was like, I got this armor, I've been training, I ain't fought nobody. At least not like Goliath. And David said, man, I've been in a jungle fighting bears and lions. I plucked him by his beard. I didn't know a lion had a beard, but David found it and he plucked it. I'm I'm a wild man. I'm building the right stuff. I'm telling you, I can preach. There's been times I preached. I kid you not, people in this room, the lights went out when I preached. Pastor KJ, how did you keep preaching when the lights are out? Because I started preaching with the lights out. So I can go back to where I started. My microphone, when I, how you preach without a mic? I didn't start preaching with a mic. I started preaching at TC College with no microphone on a sidewalk. So
Sitting down on all the poses. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm telling you right now, you do it for God. Yes. You do it for God. He is your God. I don't do it for compliments. I don't do it for applause. I do it because he done it for me. Think of our God. The Bible says Jesus started not robbery to come down and be treated like a bond servant. Not robbery. In other words, God said for me to come down and have to wash the dirty feet of men, I don't feel robbed. And you feel robbed when somebody asks you to clean the toilet. Something's not right in your heart. You don't need to be seen by man because you're seen by God. And let me tell you something about man. Man will always have you confused and mistaken. They'll never see your value. Because the Bible says man looks at the outward God looks at the heart. God's looking at that motive you have. He's looking at your heart. God is looking at your intentions. He's looking at why you do it. And if you do it not to be seen, but if you do it to serve, God will bless you. And if you would be faithful in the dark hour, God will bless you in the bright hour. Oh, come on, somebody. Give our team a shout.